0: Father, we thank you that you care for us, that you've provided for us a roadmap, what we're supposed to do, how we're to conduct our lives. We thank you, Lord, that you have blessed us with this information. It shows us your care and concern. Help us to ingest this information. Help us to make it our own. Help us, Lord, to deny the flesh. Help us to realize that you've had mercy on us. And help us to walk in an attitude of thankfulness as we go through your word. Help us to be alert. Help us to be attentive to what your word says. And we know that you'll bless it as it takes root in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, God gave the Ten Commandments, and it would have been best if his people would have kept them, but they didn't. They had a desire to obey, but... Like all of us, we're incapable of doing so, but we cannot blame the law. We cannot say that the law is the one that is to blame for why we can't keep it. We are the ones that are to blame, just like the Jews were the ones that were to blame, just like everyone is to blame, and the law of the Lord is perfect. It revives the soul. The functions of the law are... They reveal sin. It reveals our sin. Also, the law reveals our nature and behavior, who we are and what we do. If we were never to commit a single sin in our lives, we still are disqualified from heaven because of our nature. Our nature is a fallen nature. We desire to do what is wrong even if we do not carry it out. The law also reveals our need for atonement and redemption. Obtaining forgiveness or being set right before God. And the theological term for that is called justification, being declared right before God. The law also reveals to us the bad news. The bad news is everyone is guilty of sin and we are sinful from birth. Ever since we were conceived, the psalmist wrote in Psalm 51 that we were conceived in sin And we'd like to look at those little infants as being sinless, and they are not. They are a little package of a sinful nature that is handed to the parents when they arrive. Congratulations. And then because of sin, we are all under judgment, which means we are all destined for hell. That's what the law reveals to us. We have fallen short of the glory of God. We are sinful from birth, and all of us are under this judgment. The law also reveals to us the good news. The good news first is that atoning sacrifices were set up in the Old Testament. Now, these sacrifices only covered sin, did not remove the guilt or the stain of sin, but it just covered them over to where God was accepting of those who followed him. But then in the New Testament, we know that Jesus came along and he was the ultimate sacrifice that washed our sins and made us white as snow. Now sixth, the sixth thing here is the law set a benchmark, the yardstick, the pattern, the requirements, the guidelines for proper behavior, that which is pleasing to God. Unfortunately, the law does not modify the heart. Our heart is what needs to be changed. That's what God wants from us. He wants our heart, our nature is going to be done away with. He is going to give us a new nature. He's going, he has already given us his spirit, but when we get to heaven, that old nature, that flesh, that sin, is going to be completely removed. And so, when we look at the law, the law is good. Now, if you can recall the Ten Commandments, that is good. And we want to keep it. We're still in the, the law. We got the Ten Commandments. And then all of these other laws have come along to instruct the people on what they're to do, how they're to behave, what's to be the fine, if there's to be punishment, what kind of punishment is to be dealt out. And we got into Exodus chapter 22 last week and we got through the first three verses. And I told you last week the subjects that are covered in Exodus chapter 22 are theft, negligence, wickedness fairness and devotion now with this when it divides up these things there are some issues that are in common with these as we go through them number one there are rights and number two there are penalties we have been given certain rights our founding documents say that we have the right to life liberty and the pursuit of happiness right we can do that well the bible declares in chapter 22 of exodus that we have the right to self-defend you have a right to maintain your life and the life of those around you you also have a right to recompense or compensation that somebody took something away from you you have a right to have that restored or restoration from the one who took it away whether it was by negligence or whether it is by willful act. Then there are the penalties. Penalties that God set up were fines. Number one, that he chose it to be the best thing that if we violate somebody else and we cause them harm, we can be fined for those errors, whether through negligence or through willful acts. If you've ever heard the phrase, hit them in the pocketbook. That's where it seems to get us the most. If you take away the value that we have in this world, that is God's penalty. And that's what the law has followed. We can be fined for so many things right now the list just keeps on growing how the governing authorities or others can take away our wealth but that's one of the penalties that god set up and said it was good he didn't set up this thing where okay you have to do a hundred push-ups a hundred sit-ups and you have to haul this cart a mile He, he didn't do anything like that as a penalty he said no fines and then there was corporal and capital punishment people could be Beaten eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, that type of thing. But also, people could be killed by the government if they got too far out of line. So those are the three things that God set up as being in common, and they're simple. Those simple things are right there. We have a couple of rights, and we have a couple of penalties to deal with. In Exodus chapter 22, we'll just begin again in verse 1. If a man steals an ox or a sheep and slaughters it or sells it, he must pay back five head of cattle for the ox and four sheep for the sheep. And again, it's five times. The penalty is very heavy for this. And if, as I said last week, if we install something like this, we know that stealing will be reduced when people get caught. Secondly, If a thief is caught breaking in and is struck so that he dies, the defender is not guilty of bloodshed. But if it happens after sunrise, he is guilty of bloodshed. A thief thief must certainly make restitution. But if he has nothing, he must be sold to pay for his theft. Now, some of the laws before moses and before the old testament that they used to govern themselves if a thief stole something if he got inside and he stole something and he took it and he was caught with the merchandise or if he had already filtered it through the system and sold it all but he was still caught if he couldn't pay the fine the thief was to be killed that was pretty rough but Moses comes along and he says, look, a thief, you know, if somebody is caught breaking in and he's, he's struck and died at night, it's okay. If he's struck during the day, it's not okay. It was considered an act of revenge and you would be held guilty. Imagine somebody comes to your house and you don't like them and you just want to take them out. You could say, well, they were trying to steal. And so you would kill them. Where if there's darkness, the cover of darkness, you wouldn't necessarily know who it was and the person could be killed because of what they're doing. And so that's how they looked at it back then. If the stolen animal is found alive in his possession, whether ox or donkey or sheep, he must pay back double. So it's 200%. Not only do you have the one that you have to pay back, but you have another that you have to give for that. Going on we have the issue of negligence. First it was theft, now it's negligence. If a man grazes his livestock in a field or vineyard and lets them stray and they graze in another man's field, he must make restitution from the best of his own field or his vineyard. Now you could see somebody, that is a neighbor of somebody else who has a field, going, you know, I can save a little money if I just let my cattle get out and graze in my neighbor's property and I'm sure this would take place because we are evil in our intent, right? And if you were a a cattle owner and you had a farmer who was next to you, you would be tempted to use that as your source of feed for your cattle or for your sheep. And to make sure that this didn't happen, God again put a penalty on it that the individual who was taken from in the form of food for cattle had to take from the best of his lot and give. Not the worst, but the best. And that was, I'm sure, determined by others who were the leaders of the community at the time. And so that was a big deterrent. If a fire breaks out and spreads into thorn bushes so that it burns shocks of grain or standing grain or the whole field, the one who started the fire must make restitution. I remember we had some neighbors move in once. And a little personal story. And it was about 105 outside. It was just blazing hot. And it was in the heat of the day. And these neighbors, they were renting next to us. They gave their children a big magnifying glass. <laughs> you know what's coming, right? So they, they come outside and they go, Look how cool this is. And they're burning up grass and leaves and sticks. And I'm going... You know, I mean, it's just stinking hot. It is really hot outside, and I tell them, "Don't do this." You know that if a gust of wind comes up and takes some of that off, this whole place is. And this is when we all had wood shake shingle roofs. And I thought to myself, "What kind of parent would do that?" You know, of course we're all sinners. But then the parents came out and said, "Some people are so mean." And I'm thinking, "Oh, oh, you know." And I didn't get mad because I'm not supposed to get mad at my neighbor, right? And and so when people do stuff like that, if the houses would have caught on fire, would they be able to recompense? No. The the family, I knew them next door, they would not be able to recompense. We would not be able to get retribution for any loss that we suffered. And half the neighborhood would have gone up at that time. And that would have been negligence. And we all recognize, most of us recognize that that's a problem. Now, if it's in the dead of winter and you're on your back patio and it's cement and you want to show your kids, look how hot this gets, kids. You know, and you try it on their skin. Ow! You know, something like that. We used to do that as brothers to each other. But this idea that you would have some common sense that would be installed. God is talking about common sense here. He's saying, look in the vernacular of our day don't be stupid you know don't don't be negligent be a good steward over the things that you have and don't cause other harm others harm by your behavior and so in verse 7 it says if a man gives his neighbor silver or goods for safekeeping and they are stolen from the neighbor's house the thief if he is caught must pay back double But if the thief is not found, the owner of the house must appear before the judges to determine whether he has laid his hands on the other man's property. You could just see this. Could you hold my diamonds, please? Oh, sure. Just give them to me. Verse 9. In all cases of illegal possession of an ox, a donkey, a sheep, a garment, or any other lost property about which somebody says, this is mine, both parties are to bring their cases before the judges. The one whom the judge declares guilty must pay back double to his neighbor. And so this idea of being recompensed, finding retribution, being made whole, this is all good, this is just, this is fair. If a man, verse 10, gives a donkey, an ox, a sheep, or any other animal to his neighbor for safekeeping and it dies or is injured or is taken away while no one is looking, the issue between them will be settled by the taking of an oath before the Lord that the neighbor did not lay hands on the other person's property. The owner is to accept this, and no restitution is required. How good is this for somebody who doesn't believe in God? This is worthless. Because a person, if they don't believe in God, they're going, sure, I'll take an oath, no problem, I didn't do it. And they're probably just guilty as sin, We only do good because we fear God. And the people who fear God know if they take an oath that before God they did something or they did not do something, it better be right because we will be judged. Right? That's like when we take vows for whatever reason. If we take a vow, we say, I'm going to be careful to fulfill it. Why? Because we're going to be judged for it. In our case as believers... We will suffer loss of reward because we have already passed from death unto mercy, this judgment. We have crossed over. For the believer, we just simply lose reward. That's what we give up. If we do what is right in the eyes of the Lord, he rewards us heavily. If we do what is wrong in the eyes of the Lord, we remove by our actions our rewards that we would get when we get to heaven. So some of us will have a lot, some of us will have a little, just based on that principle alone going on. It says, back in verse 10, if a man gives a donkey, an ox, a sheep, or other animal to his neighbor for safekeeping, and it dies, or is injured, or is taken away while no one is looking, the issue between them will be settled by the taking of an oath before the Lord that the neighbor did not lay hands on another person's property. The owner is to accept this, and no and, No restitution is required. But if the animal was stolen from his neighbor, he must make restitution to the owner. If it was torn to pieces by a wild animal, he shall bring the remains as evidence and he will not be required to pay for the torn animal. If a man borrows an animal from his neighbor and is injured or dies while the owner is not present, he must make restitution. Now, of course, this is an agrarian society. But instead of an ox, instead of a sheep, instead of... An animal, a donkey, just install a car, some type of sporting gear, a bicycle. Whatever you might borrow, the same thing applies here. And that's how you can make the transfer to today when reading the Old Testament law. Again, this is the moral law. This is not the ceremonial law. Now, the ceremonial law is dealt with a little bit later on here in a couple of areas but mostly this moral law that is given here, we are to follow this same thing, just substitute the articles of possession. Because most of us don't have oxen, most of us don't have sheep, most of us don't have donkeys. But install your possessions there. But if the owner, in verse 15, is with the animal, the borrower will not have to pay. If the animal was hired, the money paid for the hire covers the loss. In other words, if a neighbor has an oxen, and brings the oxen over to plow the field, and all of a sudden the oxen dies while the owner who's renting out the oxen is standing there. He just kills over dead. He has a heart attack or something like that. The owner can't go back on the guy who's plowing the field and says, hey, you got to pay me for this, right? You can't do that. Or if, you know, for instance, in today's world, if you're driving in a car and the owner of the car says, you drive, And somebody hits you while you're driving, and the owner is right there. And it wasn't your fault. The owner cannot turn to you and say, you're going to pay for this, buddy. It's your fault. No, you don't have to in that particular case. Now, in our courts today, that may not be the case, but that's how it's supposed to be handled. What's just, what's right, and what's fair, that is what God is concerned with. Now, there are others who are believers who will take advantage of this, and certainly those who are not believers will seek to be compensated even when the damages, they could have been prevented, they could not have been prevented. It was just an accident that happened. I'm going to give you two stories. One of them I'm sure you're going to be familiar with. The first story is about Chesley Burnett Sullenberg III. Otherwise known as Sully Sullenberg, he is a retired airline captain of aviation. He was hailed as a national hero in the United States when he successfully executed an emergency landing of a US Airways Flight 1549 in the Hudson River off Manhattan on January 15, 2009. You guys remember that? It, that was quite an event. 155 passengers and crew aboard the aircraft all of them survived as a result of this and the reason that the plane had to land is because a flock of geese flew in front of the plane disabled the plane and he had to set it down he had no choice whatsoever and so as a result of this US Airways decided okay we're going to give each passenger five thousand dollars just for having to endure this and that was just a kind gesture it was like okay that's that's nice you know you got the flight paid for you got a little bit on top of that anything i would have had on the plane probably was paid for if there were some other expenses on top of that i'm sure that u.s airways was not uh, or they were amenable to giving them the funds right but then there's this one guy and now I've debated whether or not to say his name. I'm going to say his name. Joe Hart, a salesman from Charlotte who suffered a bloody nose and bruises, was not satisfied with the $5,000. And he said he would like to be made whole for the incident. And I think to myself, you have your life and all you got out of it was a bloody nose and you want more than $5,000? Now, stuff like this I have hair in the back of my neck that patty trims off sometimes. It would stand straight up, you know. When, when I would, I hear about stuff like this, it just irritates me to no end. And we shouldn't act like this as believers. Now I'm going to tell you another story that I am aware of that a Christian did. <laughs> there is a Christmas program little boy with glasses on and there's a lamp of a leg do you know the movie i'm talking about a christmas story and what did he get for christmas a bb gun right love that bb gun and what's the problem with the bb gun you'll shoot your eye out right and so you don't want a bb gun well i know this christian brother who had a son and the son went over to a neighbor's house and they had a BB pistol, a BB gun. And they thought, we've just got to shoot this somewhere. So he decided to shoot it into a bucket. <laughs> Again, you see it coming. He shot his eye out, shot the bucket, came up, it hit his pupil, it damaged the iris, caused the pupil to run into the iris. Don't have a BB gun, you'll shoot your eye out. He wanted to go back and sue the parents of the child at the house where his son shot the BB gun into the bucket. My hair grew and stood up on that one. And I'm thinking, come on, what, what are we doing? You know, sometimes accidents just happen and we cannot control them and we want somebody to pay well we're in a fallen world we are paying because we are the sinful ones that caused this to take place and you might say well i didn't do it well we were all in adam and adam was perfect and you're not and so he is even less guilty than you because he's perfect and we're not and so this idea that we would try to take advantage of somebody please don't please don't do this this gives a bad name to christians which gives a bad name to Christ. Not that he hasn't been given a bad name before, but this is not just. This is not fair. Imagine being in this BB gun incident. Imagine being the parents of the son who owned the BB gun that the Christian son took the BB gun and the father of the Christian son comes to the parents and says, we want you to pay. Are you kidding me? You know, I, I would just be so incensed on something like that. And that, Also, he would go to court because Scripture says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and the other family were believers too, it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, you are already defeated. You already should be ashamed of yourselves that you cannot go to church and have people in the church adjudicate this case. You have to take it to a court of law. What is wrong with you? What is wrong with us that we would do something like that? And so we want to make sure we are acting in an upright fashion and you know above all of this the icing on the cake if we have been wronged in some way and we seek not to be paid back for it god says that's okay that's commendable that we would be wronged and not seek to go be recompensed for something now i'm not saying there isn't a time for it there is i mean we live in a wicked world but especially between brothers, between sisters. We are not to be acting like that. It puts a blemish on Christ and his church. Thirdly, wickedness, sexual immorality, witchcraft, and idolatry. Verse 16, if a man seduces a virgin who is not pledged to be married and sleeps with her, he must pay the bride price. She shall be his wife. If a father absolutely refuses to give her to him, he must still pay the bride price for virgins. And this was an exceedingly wise and humane law, according to Clark in his commentary. He goes on to say, and it must have operated powerfully against seduction and fornication because the person who might feel inclined to take advantage of a young woman knew that he must marry her or give her a dowry which means it's going to cost you, buddy. Either way, you either have to live with her for the rest of your life or you're going to cough up some big dough. And chances are there's big dough involved anyhow. And this is only valuable in a society where virginity was valuable. In our society today, it's not valuable. We, We consider it something like, well, one's coming of age. Well, in some countries, it's 16. And I've mentioned this before, and people want to get that lowered. And so this is only good for a godly people. It's like, I think it was John Jay, the first Supreme Court justice. It was either him or Jefferson. I'd have to go back and see who said it. But our Constitution, our Bill of Rights, it's only for a godly people. If you have those things and the people are not godly, if there's no piety amongst the people of the nation, the Constitution means nothing. The Bill of Rights means nothing. And so this only works if we have a sense of morality. Verse 18, do not allow a sorceress to live. This would be somebody who makes potions, incantations, maybe uses drugs as a way to get in touch with seances and spirits from the other side, so to speak. And they were not supposed to be allowed to live. Even King Saul knew this when he summoned up a uh, prophet, the prophet Samuel. In 1 Samuel chapter 28, verse 7, he was looking for some type of insight. And Samuel the prophet had died, which had anointed him to be king over Israel. And after he had died, he told his people to go out and find A necromancer, somebody who communicates with the dead. And he went out and did that when he shouldn't have. And because he did this, and sure enough, Samuel showed up from the dead and talked to Samuel, or talked to Saul, and Saul lost his kingdom that day because of what he did. And so we are not to entertain witchcraft, sorcery, white witchcraft, Wiccan, horoscopes, astrology. We are to stay away from that stuff. We are not to... There's this thing we used to get on our doorsteps. It was called the newspaper. And in the newspaper, it it used to have a horoscope in there. And if you read the front page, you read the funnies, and you read, that's what we called them, uh, the funnies or the comics, and you also went to your horoscope and you read that if you weren't devouring the economics or the sports or the job section, whatever it was. And it was a, just a normal thing, and the papers would print that. And I'm sure you can still get it online. I, I want to tell you, if you're just dabbling in that, don't pay attention to that stuff. You know, some of you are a Sagittarius, some of you are Libras, some of you are Taurus, the bulls. All of those and those characteristics, they can be about 80 to 90% right all the time. But that's just enough truth to lead you astray when it comes to the stuff The stuff from the dark side that gets filtered in there. It's kind of like this. Pastor Drew, when he goes on these teaching events, the IBS, Inductive Bible Study, he will go and get some water out of the toilet. He tells him that's what he does. But he gets water, he says, is from the toilet in a cup. And he goes, you know, water is good, Right? and everybody usually would have water there and he goes this water is from the toilet and he goes i just want to put one drop of this in your water bottle and everybody no you're not what it's just one drop of toilet water in your water bottle that's kind of like horoscopes you might have 90%. Oh, this is so fun. I can just look at this. Oh, this is, oh, yeah, it's true. It's good. And then you just have this one drop of toilet water in there. And you drink it anyhow. You say, oh, it's not so bad. You know, the world, it's just the way of the world. And I'll just ignore that stuff. Just stay away from it. Don't go there. Don't go to drugs. Don't go to necromancy. Don't, don't go to any of that stuff. Don't go to palm readers. Stay away from that stuff. God never says... It's not true as far as being able to get information from the other side. He just says, stay away. Do not do it. Somebody who engages in that in the Old Testament under the Mosaic law was to be killed. That's how serious God considered it. Also, Malachi chapter 3, verse 5, it reads, So I will come near to you for judgment. I will be quick to testify against, the number one thing, sorcerers adulterers perjurers against those who defraud laborers of their wages who oppress the widows and the fatherless and deprive aliens of justice but do not fear me says the lord almighty so this idea of being a sorcerer being a witch being part of wiccan any of that stuff stay away from verse 19 anyone who has sexual relations with an animal must be put to death this is bestiality and that is to be avoided it is not to be engaged in verse 20 whoever sacrifices to any God other than the Lord must be destroyed. You see all these capital offenses here. Could you imagine if... And there are people who would like to install the Old Testament law as our laws for today. And so these high schools, the kids in the high schools who want to set up these satanic clubs, those kids would be put to death if we were underneath that ruling if we had somebody who is an adulterer that person would be put to death actually committing the physical act and so we want to make sure that we are at least keeping to the spirit of the law here that we are not going out and killing people and stoning people for what they have done we just want to make sure we cling to what is just right and fair which is the next subject here fairness and oppression First, there are strangers. Do not mistreat an alien or oppress him, for you were aliens in Egypt. In other words, you're to be fair to strangers, to people you don't know, to people from other countries, to people of other people groups. We're not to be a respecter of persons just like Christ. Also to the weak, we're to be fair and not oppress the weak. Verse 22, do not take advantage of a widow or an orphan. If you do... And they cry out to me. I will certainly hear their cry. My anger will be aroused and I will kill you with the sword. Your wives will become widows and your children fatherless. God is zealous for widows and orphans. Don't mess with them. And I think this even applies in the New Testament. You mess with kids who don't have parents who are orphans or widows. Take advantage of the widows you're in trouble. I mean, that's just it. Talk about loss of reward. Yeah, you're going to get into heaven if you're a believer and you do this. If you're not a believer, there's a big judgment to come. And also the poor. Be fair with the poor. Verse 25, if you lend money to one of my people among you who is needy, do not be like a money lender. Charge him no interest. Now, this is the one thing also that the Muslims do not do. They do not charge interest on a loan. So if you lend money to someone you're not to charge them interest if you have a brother or sister that you lend money to and by the way if you lend it don't expect to get it back <laughs> what are you talking yeah just give it what do you mean just give it i need to get that's my money no it's the lord's money and the lord can replace it so if it's in your heart to give just give don't consider it investing except investing in heaven don't be going to people and saying so where's the money you owe where's the 10 bucks you owe me man don't be doing stuff like that or 100 bucks just give it just give it freely that puts a whole new light on what christ did for us he gave everything for us and if we just give a few bucks to somebody we're not to go back and ask for it the next one or to be fair to neighbors those who you know Verse 26, if you take your neighbor's cloak as a pledge, return it to him by sunset because his cloak is the only covering he has for his body. What else is he to sleep in? When he cries out to me, I will hear, for I am compassionate. And so the person, your neighbor, uh, the homeless person, whoever it is that you would know that you hold something in a pledge for, make sure you're able to just give it right back to them. And some people might say, well, it's just not fair. They're taking stuff from me and they knew it and they could have paid me back. Just let it go. God knows what's going on. He knows who's guilty. He knows who's trying to take advantage. And so just let it go. Don't be so contentious with those who are out there. Be fair. Don't oppress those who you know are your neighbors. And fifth, we have devotion. Being devout. Verse 28, do not blaspheme God or curse the ruler of your people. Let me rewrite this. (laughs) Do not use God's name in vain or curse the president. Do not use God's name in vain or curse a candidate. Is this difficult? This is tough. You know, when you see the leaders having... One has no control of their mouth and the other has no control over their sin. And you think to yourself, where are we going? I don't know, but it's getting exciting. Let's go on. Be careful in your giving, in our giving... To God to be diligent. Verse 29, do not hold back offerings from your granaries or your vats. You must give me the firstborn of your sons. That means you're to dedicate your son to the Lord. Jesus was dedicated, was taken to the temple on the eighth day. That's when he is circumcised. Verse 30, do the same with your cattle and your sheep. Let them stay with their mothers for seven days but give them to me on the eighth day. So the the livestock, the first one to break the womb, you're supposed to give it to the Lord. That's what you're supposed to do. And God tells us to be diligent in this in the Old Testament. Now the, the tithe hasn't been installed yet. They haven't gotten this idea of the tithe yet. It hasn't come to them. But God's saying, basically, we're all to be givers. If we're not giving, and I'm not talking about just time. I'm talking about cold, hard cash. Back then, they bartered a lot. That was their cash. They would give to God. And they did so freely. And they did so liberally. When we get to the point where they're building the tabernacle out there, Moses had to say, stop, stop. We have enough. There's too much. Can you imagine a church doing that? We have way too much. (laughs) Stop giving. It's just not in our vocabulary today, right? And many churches, they just hound this. And they make an issue almost every service, so they dedicate a month to it of giving. It's like, okay, yeah, I get the picture. We're to give. That's it. We're to give liberally. So do your part. As you know here, you guys have been here long enough, you know how we set it up here. I like it that way. That's good. We don't get to hear the change falling into the bag. It's, it's great. If you want to put change in, you put it in the agape box. If you want to give liberally and you bring in a bankroll fine, you'll just see somebody and you'll give it to the church secretary or one of the elders and it'll just be handled that way. It's between you and God. Just make sure you are faithful in it. This is what God requires us to do. Also, be careful in the management of your body. Verse 31 you are to be my holy people so do not eat the meat of an animal torn by wild beasts throw it to the dogs now you look at this and you go why can't I eat roadkill why can't I eat something that has been mangled if you watch these survival programs they eat anything out there dead bugs bugs They'll just eat anything. And God here is saying, for the people, I want you to be healthy. Because if you eat something that has been torn, that has been mangled by animals, you don't know if that animal was rabid. I mean, if you start eating something like that, you're going to get sick. And so God says, be careful what you put in your body. Now, for us, that's just about impossible. I, if you look at the food that is out there, it might as well be roadkill. You know, we're just killing ourselves by what we consume. And we like it. And we do, we do it vigorously. And we say it's all good. But God says, look, just manage your body well. You are a holy people. You're to be set apart. Do all you can to remain healthy. If you do this, God can use you. If you don't do this, then at some point... There's going to be an inhibition in your ability to serve. And so God says, relax. Take care of yourself. Don't do things that are unwise. Be fair. We understand what the law says about thievery. We understand what he says about corporal and capital punishment. We understand what he says about fines. And it's just, this is just a lot of common sense. And hopefully our parents have raised us properly where we have a, a good grasp of this common sense. But in closing, it's only for godly people. If we are not godly, this makes no sense whatsoever. I would say if you are not a believer, if we are not believers, just live like the devil. Because this is it. This is as good as it gets. And after that, it's going to be a judgment. So God gave warnings to the Israelites and he gives warnings to us to walk in an upright manner and to be just and fair. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks that you had set these laws, these rules out for us and for the Israelites to follow and for all mankind, the entire human race. We ask, Lord, that you would help us to be diligent in these things for they are good, they are upright, they are pure. And we know we will be blessed if we follow them. But when we fail, Lord we understand your grace and your mercy is there available to us help us to recognize when we fail help us to walk in humility and with your help we'll accomplish this in jesus name and the church said